Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a Photog adventure of your own. It's episode 118. Welcome back Ooh. to the Photog Adventures podcast, We're everybody. almost at the 120 mark. That's nice. Which was huge. It'll be huge it's when huge. you get to 120. 120. That's a half of, that's double of 60. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah it is. That's, that's it's, a lot of podcasts. It's going to change everything for everything us. Everything will change then. <laughs> I just feel it. Oh, it's interesting because you have all these <laughs> milestones, and we used to appreciate every new 10 mark, you know? Oh, mm. it's 40. It's 50 now. It's 60. Right. Then we hit 100, and, and like, Whoa. Uh, when's our next big one? Do we just celebrate 200, and that's it? Maybe 150? 150 is pretty good. 150. That's 32 episodes from now. <laughs> so 150? Yeah. Welcome back, Brendan, to the studio. Are you going to be able yeah. to make it for Monday Moment of Envy? I want to get record right now. That you're saying yes, you'll be here Monday Moment of Envy next Let week. Let me look at my calendar. Look at your I'm calendar. Sure. You guys aren't joining us maybe for lives, and you're thinking, you guys do live streams here, sporadic. Mm. We've been getting so much better than sporadic live streams. We have three consistent live streams every week. Yep. The consistency drop is always in the minutes. I had a Milky Way... <laughs> worst Milky Way Wednesday I've ever had that started with <laughs> tons of issues and started 13 minutes late. I started oh, wow. uh, my wow. Monday, Monday moment of envy. I ended up starting four minutes late when I'm like, I'm right here. Well, what's happening? Why isn't this, this working? So just mm. know that while we aren't minute by minute perfect yet, we end up with situations. I don't even want to go it's because we don't it. have a production manager. We don't have someone like cracking the whip and getting all the you know, technical things done for us. Well, also YouTube, you can't go live until you go live. And once you click that live right. button, if there's an error on YouTube all of a sudden, which has been you're doing. out. Yeah. And so you're waiting and then you're like, ah, oh, I look bad. And then you have other yeah. issues like I've been trying to fix all these other tech issues. I forgot to actually write the Facebook live and start it. Mm. And so then I'm writing all the text for here, what it's about. This is what the keywords mm. are. This is what the title is. And now I can click start. Yeah, it's all that pre-starting <laughs> stuff. So what I wanted to say to you guys is that we have these lives consistently on Monday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. You can join us for Monday Moment of Envy, where we feature something we're envious of, an image that someone in our Facebook group listener, our Facebook listeners group has actually produced and shared there. And then we go, oh my gosh, yeah, this is an awesome image. What an awesome fox, Dan Linhardt. That's a sweet fox. Oh man, those fox shots are awesome. Fox trots. Fox shots. I actually love the comic strip fox trot. I, I loved it as a oh, kid. Yeah. Okay. It was a great well, I one. I said fox shots. Fox shots, those yeah. foxy shots. <laughs> foxy lady. Well, that bang, was an bang, awesome bang, shot of bang, a fox, bang, and we bang. featured it on Monday Moment of Envy every Monday, 1 p.m. Then we have another live that's consistent every Wednesday night, which is Milky Way Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Mm -hmm. And the following day, we do Gear Time with Brendan and Drew, mm -hmm. which might need to be rebranded. To Drew's Gear Envy? <laughs> Gear Envy with Drew Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every Thursday, that's at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. And so we have created an alert squad. People are asking, Facebook didn't notify me that you went live. I had no idea you went live on YouTube. It didn't notify me. So we're fixing that. And mm -hmm. we're fixing that with basically an email list. But we promise you, this is a promise to you that 
we will not market those guys on that list. We're not going to say, hey, we have a workshop that's open or we have this Milky Way it's course strictly that you for should notifications buy. for lives, right? Strictly. Okay. Strictly. That's good. I, I don't that. need to add those people to the other lists. It's okay. Right. We just want to make it. I mean, if we had 100 people consistently in our lives, that would be brilliant. Mm, yeah. So much more fun and so much more great, like positive reward for everyone involved. And so sure, we don't sure. need to market those people that who was on the live alert squad. Yeah, so if yeah. you're worried about being on an email list, don't. This isn't our trick to get you into our next marketing email. <laughs> this is don't do it our list. <laughs> yeah. You want emails every day. And then the three things that I wish I would have done, come check here, buy the third one. No, 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 none of those things. It's just so that we can say, hey, we're going live tomorrow at this time. It's going to be about this. Come check it out. Watch us. Yeah. So the link is down below. The link mm -hmm. below in this description. Find it in your link there. Click on it and then just give us your first name, an email that you want me to use for it, and I will email you directly 24 hours before it goes live, the morning of the live, and then a half an hour before we start. And upcoming, we have a live podcast event with Ryan Smith. He is going to join us here in studio and talk about the printing process that he goes through to make mm. thousands, millions of dollars selling prints. Millions. <laughs> millions. So what day, is he what day is that again? Specific date is a secret. No, it's not planned oh. yet. It's specific oh. date isn't planned, but Ryan and I have given each other a both winky happy face, thumbs up emojis. We're all okay. good to go. Okay. It's just the exact Tuesday that it ends up being is unknown, but we'll give you a heads up. And if you're on the live alert squad, you'll mm. know the day before. So it'll be like a Tuesday podcast type thing where we exactly. can do it and we can record it. Like well. we are right now recording nice. Tuesday night. We'll be live on camera with Ryan Smith. I'm down with that. Yes. Sweet. All right, let's get going. Enough of this nonsense. Let's start the show at Mark. But yeah, mm. man, thanks so much for taking time with us. We had a blast. Thank you, guys. Yeah. yeah, this was great. This is one of the, to be honest, I, I think this is one of the better uh, this is my first experience. I haven't I haven't had a chance to listen to your podcast yet, but I think it's one of the better hosted podcasts about photography. Uh, so we'll start you guys listening, doing... man. We've got you at a hundred plus episodes to catch up to. <laughs> that is a huge compliment. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much. Yeah. I am going to have that since I'm still recording over here. I'm going to put. <laughs> yeah. Then I joke about including that at the end of the podcast. So patrons <laughs> on Monday, if you heard the whole podcast but didn't keep it running after the music, you'll hear that clip from Joshua Cripps. Yeah, a little Easter egg. Yeah, huh. and it's a very self-serving, awesome Easter egg It for is. Us. It's a nice little pat on the back. We like getting compliments, <laughs> so we appreciate it. I was so glad it was still recording because I was like, oh, yeah. It was. I was like, oh, we got that? Nice. <laughs> we had a really fun Joshua Cripps interview on Monday, and it's something that has a crazy story. Let me just say it this way. Oh, my way. gosh. It's Yeah, I mean, <laughs> beyond the crazy story that we got from Derek Sturman, Salt Flats thing, it was like that level crazy You're saying story. it's even crazier than Derek Sturman's story it was it was pretty equal if not a little bit crazier yeah. two things O to B 20 again oh and the second thing is <laughs> yeah. tiny ponies Mongolia <laughs> tiny ponies Mongolia. So if you're not on Patreon, guys, you're going <laughs> to seriously, you have to sign up and just to listen to Derek Sturman and to this. Sturman's actually not a patron episode. It's oh, it's a, not. It's that's one that right. these guys have that's had a true. chance to hear. That's so true. that's awesome. But you but do need so to hear the Joshua Cripps interview. Wayne yeah. Pinkston, Joshua oh, Cripps, my gosh. Gavin Hardcastle. Blah, blah, blah. More, more, it's more. It's so great. And so yeah. if you guys have a willingness of throwing five bucks towards Photog Adventures Way for at least one month of patron support, you'll have access to all of those podcasts over on Patreon. 
such a good deal. And it's just such a good deal. It's only going to get better story. too. Yeah. And we're just so flattered, so flattered that Joshua Cripps would say that. That's enough self-serving, patting ourselves on the back. Let's get going to a real episode of Photog Adventures where we're going to talk about macro photography mm. and then the lunar eclipse photography in the second half. So we'll come back after our first break. Okay, we just did a commercial, and doing a commercial right now might be a little bit too much, but hey, what about our workshops, man? Yeah, they're coming up pretty soon. Pretty yes. soon. It's 2019 now, officially. Oh, and uh, April 1 feels like it's around the corner. Yes, so April's our first workshop. We've got Goblin Valley, we've got Escalante, Natural, Natural Bridges. Going out to Goosenecks, and Goosenecks sleeping there on a cot and having the Milky Way above your face as you're sleeping oh. is so hard to sleep. It's too beautiful. It is. You just look up, and you just see this curtain. This dome of stars and the Milky Way is just gracefully floating above you. It is surreal. It's, it's outstanding. awesome. Outstanding. I hope you guys have some budget for workshops this year and you want to do Milky Way photography. Please join us with Photog Adventures. Go to photogadventures.com forward slash workshop and you can join us for many locations and learn Milky Way photography with us. Epic fun, guys. Epic fun. Epic. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, guys. We are going to start talking about macro photography. If you guys had seen our YouTube video that we just put out, we did a live YouTube video on Thursday. But in the mix of that, we did about a half an hour of pre-recorded that we did macro photography two days before that rec- that, that uh, live feed. And so we got to sit down and play with macro and I edited all that together so we could put it on the live feed to share with you guys. And one of the comments was like, I think I saw an edit. Like, is this, is this live? live? <laughs> We're like, well, it is and isn't. <laughs> like, yeah, Ro, it is live, but this part isn't because it's pre-recorded. Uh, yeah. I hope you guys like this. If you and like it's it, a kind up. of a must. We don't really, ha- we're not really equipped to do that level of, you know, live. So or we- equipped to make it short enough to last only an hour. Right, right. So <laughs> yeah, we definitely edited that down because holy moly, a lot of stuff. <laughs> but it was really, really cool. Drew and I and Aaron um, sat down and did some really fun macro shooting. Um, played around with all kinds of different lenses and options and tubes and bellows and it, it was just nuts. We went nuts. We went macro nuts. You and know? the best part about it for me was that I got a chance to use my hobby of carnivorous plant cultivation. Yeah. If you haven't caught on to Aaron King's plant cult plant love of carnivorous plants, I have since November finally started growing carnivorous plants again. After almost a year of living out of friends' houses, Airbnbs, cars, hotels, I have a location that's steady enough. And just like in past years, when winter comes, I get so sad. I miss greenery. Mm. I miss growth and happiness. And so I get that by working with plants and growing them. And in my apartment right now, I have over 30, I think, varieties, maybe up to 30 varieties of carnivorous plants growing on racks right there near the front door. And these guys use the carnivorous plants as their macro subjects. And the shot that you took, when you go to our YouTube channel, and you see that Thursday, you know, um, Gear Time Thursday, you'll see the shot that Aaron took. He did three stacked images of that curl, and yeah. it was amazing. I mean, the curl is basically the tip, the nib tip of your pencil. Yeah, and it's size. Tiny. It's so tiny, yet this thing fills the frame. I mean, it's insane. It and was I love a Lawa the 24 millimeter with five to one something for an aperture range that is just so great. Five it was to the five one. to one, yeah, right? Yeah. So it so zooms zoom in. Crazy like, macro. Yeah. And I got so tight cool. on that, so tight that if you've done any macro photography, you work in depth of field slivers. I, I should mm-hmm. say like slices mm-hmm. of focus range. And you've got this slice that's focused on the front of us. Imagine a purple tire 
that has a brighter pink purple baby sitting in it. That's what this flowerscape looked like with this mm-hmm. round circular mm-hmm. feature that's purple that has little globules of dew on it and then the inside's a fuzzy little baby ball and that ball right there and the outer edge of this flowerscape, I could slice it and get the front of the tube. Then I could get some of the subject on the inside of the mm-hmm. tube and the other part of the tube I hadn't had in focus yet and then a third slice, I was able to get back far enough as far as I really wanted to go yeah. to get a full subject in focus and then just with a simple Photoshop mask. I painted out the areas I wanted or didn't want. And then there's just this crystal clear shot of a pin-sized flowerscape. I mean, when you look at these little water droplets, you think they're like pretty big water-sized water droplets. No, these water droplets are the size of a pinhead. Like pin. For other water droplet macro photography you're saying? Yeah. Because gotcha. you know, you see water droplets all the time. You see mm-hmm. water droplets on this thing. You think, Adam you think maybe this has an awesome video. Yeah, you think on maybe that. this flower could be as big as my finger curled up. No, it's not. It's tiny. <laughs> yeah. It is nuts. I mean, it looks like a microscopic picture because it practically is. It was really, really cool. So when I saw that picture, I'm like, what the what? Like, oh, I'm so jealous now. I want to get a shot like that. Dang. So during That's what that, we get for leaving, leaving you alone with these awesome lenses and these plants. <laughs> I've been having a blast. I've been getting yeah. time lapses and oh then there's some gosh, things. Yeah. We'll talk about what went well and what could be better and I'll get more specific on it. But when you have a subject that's this macro photography of this carnivorous plant, you have all sorts of interesting growth and long tendrils, but things are at different heights and distances and then you have to deal with focusing on multiple subjects mm-hmm. and it's a real challenge Uh, maybe we should just get right into the what could be better. And I want to say this one because I found it and you found out. The tripod that I use for landscape photography is absolutely not the tripod that you want for macro photography. Mm, No, not indoors at least. Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, I could use it very well if I could hover over a subject and then point my camera down. Yeah. But when I'm working on the indoors and I have a table or a a kitchen island that has a barrier, Mm -hmm. I can't get that long leg anywhere. So I'm doing a Mm -hmm. lot of two legs shorter than one long leg Mm -hmm. and then I tip it up against it. So like two fingers standing on a table, I lean my knuckles against the island and then the very long leg is going to hold it for steadiness and it's as steady as I can be. When I'm doing my focus stacking with that and I have a track, you'll have to explain the track too, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that tracks and zooming in and getting in focus, any movement I do makes it wiggle. You need a really sturdy, Mm -hmm. really dynamic like the Vanguard tripod Mm -hmm. where it has an arm that you can change. Daniel Lindhart showed us his. Manfrotto has a similar arm arm tripod as well. So like instead of a center column, that center column can get rotated out and and it becomes this like 90 degree crane over a Mm -hmm. subject. And Mm -hmm. if that's sturdy, heavy duty, and then also can crane out and get over elements, Mm -hmm. that's where you're going to get a good shot. Yeah. Now you're still going to have a problem where it's going to wiggle because you're craning over something. But still, um, if you're doing something like a time lapse and get really in there, you know, that's, I think that's where, yeah, our tripods just aren't sufficient for that. Yeah, it's been the greatest challenge because I need to get in there. You're kissing the object with the lens practically. Mm -hmm. And if that lens doesn't have a three foot reach like the Laowa probe, (laughs) you have to find a way to get your camera body up in there and make it steady and sturdy and, and consistent and it was a huge challenge. I spent hours getting the tripod and camera in position. When it came down to capturing the shot, it was easy. Mm, right, right. So, you know, a lot, unlike a lot of studio f- macro shots, I've been looking at some other videos on YouTube. They will, you know, cut plants or take plants and, and do different things in, in a studio setting and bring it to the camera, 
Whereas yours are actual live living plants that yeah, you I'm don't want to disturb. Them. Yeah, you don't want to disturb them, and so you want to leave them in the bucket, and that's where the that's where the that's um, part of the limiting factor, huh? right? Yeah, right. so it's more how you care about what the plant looks like after your. Yeah, because if you just go to the flower shop and buy some flowers that are already dead, you know what I mean, and then put water droplets on them and do whatever you want with it. True, that's a different story because you can move those as close as you want to the camera because it doesn't matter. It's just it's a non living object. We're dealing with living objects, which is definitely adds that limiting five that factor so um and you're gonna you know you're gonna come up with similar situations when you're out in nature you're gonna have the same thing where you're dealing with living objects they don't want to necessarily disturb you know and yeah. so you would still i still want to get one of those tripods just for that fact and so maybe we should look into that because that would be uh, one of those meeting really the vanguard tripod mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. with the crane mm-hmm Now, when you're thinking about what our scene looked like, if you watch the video, you know, we had a tripod with its shortest legs ever, Mm -hmm. all flattened out, sitting on the island, and the best way to work with it was that. But then there was a secondary element to focus stacking and macro photography that the bellows and whatever that slider is called is required. I'm going to go get that. Well, Brendan, explain the process of using your bellows and why that was such a benefit. Yeah, so the bellows basically acts as if you know if you guys have seen the um, the focus stacking rings or not focus stacking rings, but the macro you know extension tubes that you can add to your um, to your camera lens, and what it does is it separates your camera from your um, your camera body from your lens further away than it normally would be, and by doing that, it actually gives you more macro ability. Um, we didn't cover every single macro. Um, Type, there's one type where you can actually flip a lens. Like say, say something like a, say you have got like a 60 millimeter or a 50 millimeter lens, you can actually flip it around. Um, and but then, then it like hold a, it to your camera body? No, you, you actually get an adapter that actually flips oh. it. So it threads on, it screws on backwards. And then, so the, so the adapter has like a camera body mount, camera lens mount, you mount that and then it has threads and you and you thread it on, you thread your lens, reverse thread it onto this thing. Does it end up looking like a binocular pair of binoculars? Kind of. You look through them the other direction yes. and further away? Yes. Why is that beneficial? It Somehow it lets you get really close focus and then, huh. yeah, and so it becomes a macro lens at that point. It's really interesting. So someone discovered that like years ago and that's one option that we didn't really cover, which is actually a really simple, cheap way to do it, to doing macro actually. The other thing we have to do is this, This we were talking about the rails. So the bellows. Oh, the rails. That's so the rails and the bellows it. is, um, the bellows doesn't really work the same as rails, but it's similar. Oh, really? It wasn't exactly. The, a, bellows, is, the bellows is H, basically like adding extension tubes and it's, it's, it's moving the distance between your body and your lens. Oh, I see the difference. And whereas this is a focusing rail this actually has a big corkscrew in the bottom of it. You turn and it actually physically moves your camera closer or further away from your subject. I see. So here's the, here's the bellows. It's taking your lens and pulling it in and away, mm-hmm. in towards and away from your camera which is body. Ga- which, is chi- which is changing magnification of the lens. Like an extension tube would if you yes. put on two or three of them. Then or this seven. <laughs> rail situation is actually hooking physically your, camera your camera body mm-hmm. and then physically moving the camera closer. Now the reason why it's on the rail system is because you know you're going to focus stack and to have really fine-tuned controls of of just millimeters in closer. Now millimeters in closer. Mm-hmm. By hand, you can't do that consistently. No right, way. Right. And with a tripod, then what do you do? How do you go in and out? 
you can change your focus point like you think in landscape photography. No, no, you can't just pick a different area and autofocus on that area. In some ways you can, and that's what Magic Lantern uses to do slices of focus stacking. See, and this is a problem I was telling Drew that, that I don't think you really understood is um, when I was focus stacking with the camera, it actually introduced focus breathing. <laughs> you got the focus and breathing then what issue. Do you, and then so you guys are wondering, okay, what's focus breathing? It's what happens to the image when you change focus from, so I'm at, the, I'm at 100 millimeters, so I can't zoom with this thing, but with the focus between the closest and the furthest thing, it looks like I'm kind of zooming because the mm. image is being cropped out in certain spots. And so the focus, focus breathing is how much image is in your seen at the lowest focus point and at the closest fo- farthest focus point and the closest focus point they're very different it's like a cropped image so imagine if you're taking a picture of a subject that had purple squares in all the corners and those purple squares were touching the corners with your focus currently and then you change your focus on something maybe a little bit more distant mm-hmm. it kind of crops in to focus on mm-hmm. that distant thing now those purple squares in the corner are, gone. are either gone or yeah. overlapped a lot more and yeah. it's just your image has moved and you're going to end up with the same resolution frame but then now every things just kind of warped in a different location. And that's what Photoshop was not able to do. When I was telling um, Drew, when I was doing, I wasn't doing, I was doing focus stacking, but it was focus stacking in camera with the lens focus, focusing on a different section. Yeah, it was taking the focus and micro adjusting, just barely sliver, 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 sliver. And I did like 10 shots of those mushrooms. And Photoshop just completely bombed out on that. Had no idea had how to no auto-align idea. those. It would look like garbage, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just like, oh man. Like, so that's why I did some research. Like, what software can I use to do this? And that's where I found Zareen. I threw those images in, in Zareen. Boom, beautiful. I was like, whoa, okay, now I understand why this program's awesome, you know? Because before, <laughs> I didn't really see the value in the $80 program just right. for focus stacking. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, if I was a scientist, yeah, I could I could see that. But now that if I use Magic Lantern, which is so convenient with, with my 100 millimeter, then I can do that and I can use this program to fix that problem, so. Awesome, so then if you look at your macro event and how everything went with multiple lenses, what would you say went really well? Oh man, Um, using that old lens that I had actually was really cool to use that again. Uh, That that went really well. What Um, surprised you about that? Why would that um, not have worked well? It's just so old. Oh, I mean, okay. it's just this old Fujinon, you know, and I had an adapter for it, you know, to work on a Canon. <laughs> and once you throw it on a bellows, man, you can get this crazy. I mean, when you're at 100 millimeters, you can make the 100 millimeters a five to one 100 millimeter. That's nuts. You know, that's like you're getting microscopic um, zoom range on that, basically. Um, and and then uh, using Drew's like Lawa, this Lawa 24, 25. Oh, I said 24. It is a 25, 25 f2.8. Um, this is a 2.5 to 5.5 X. So when you zoom this thing all the way in, this thing is incredible. I was just looking today on Amazon thinking $400 this lens. I'm like, I want it. I really want my own. (laughs) While you're talking about that, let me just interject this. And if you have your train of thought, come back to it. Do you remember what it was? Mm. Okay, cool. I'm jumping in anyway. This situation of using a 100 millimeter for macro, this Canon 100 millimeter prime, Mm -hmm. or this guy, this Laowa 25 25 millimeter that has a great, really close experience. Here's the drawback, and here you can learn some applications. When you're going to do a focus stack, you're going to use the Lawa because it cuts your slices so thin Mm -hmm. and it's so intimately close with your subject that you can get some really magnificent, bokeh-rich, beautiful close-up, the hairs on a tiny pediole or the actual 
little teeny tendrils on a dewy sundew. You can see them in amazing detail. Now, I'm gonna use it for a time lapse. Wait a second, half of my object is out of focus, half of it is in focus. Mm. I can't focus stack a time lapse, not without an incredible amount of effort and it's impossible. No, it's almost impossible. You would actually. have to have an automatic arm do like this distance, this distance, this distance, and then go back and take the next picture and do three. It's like it's like a bracketing yeah. for focus stacking yeah. in a time lapse automation. Oh, <laughs> and, and then so, processing that? Oh, yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. why would you even bother doing that? Because with yeah. the 100 millimeter Canon, I was able to get the entire plant almost or a huge area in mm. focus and then run this thing at like an f8 f16 mm -hmm. have a greater depth of field and so all the movement that was happening with my little sundew tendrils wrapping around that flightless fruit mm -hmm. fly mm -hmm. and then curling up to fully digest that flightless fruit fly that was dead He's i could capture it <laughs> with the 100 millimeter so much easier right. so i have certain plants that are big enough that it calls for the 100 millimeter i get this thing set up focused on a good spot that's kind of a compromise between the whole area mm -hmm. and then the whole time lapse looks really good with the lawa i have to have either a subject so small that time lapsing right. within that area and motion is worth it right or it's just going to spend the entire time i had 3600 images that i took of a flowerscape moving mm. and it one, it barely moved in the entire like 15 hour <laughs> time lapsing and that was really disappointing. I thought it would be more active. Right. Two, it was out of focus like one third of the way into the time lapse and most of it spent the rest of the time out of frame. Oh. And we're talking like an hour of loading that into my Lightroom it was so slow, it caused my hard drive to block up and I had barely any hard drive space left because these giant raw files for 3,600 plus of them, it was killing everything, bogging everything down for what ended up to be nothing. It just was nothing of the time lapse. Yeah, because when you're at a five to one, when you're so zoomed in and so close focus that it becomes razor Thin. The razor. focus, the focus line is seriously razor thin, and this is at f sixteen even. So if they if they made a new version of this and had it all the way up to like f forty, then then we'd be talking something pretty awesome. But this stops down at two point eight, which is insane. That's got to be like razor, razor, razor edge thin. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? At f two point eight, um, we didn't even bother using it anywhere near that. We just stopped it all the way to f sixteen because we needed the. We needed, depth we needed of as much depth as we could get, and that still was a tiny sliver. Yeah, it's nuts. So in short, for those of you considering lenses for your macro photography, unless you have a subject you know is just the size of an eraser on the end of a pencil and smaller, don't even worry about the Lawa 25mm. Get something more like this Prime that is mm. versatile for many situations, and you can get a much in, more interesting, more um, versatile talented lens yeah i mean so so the canon 100 millimeter and, and like a lot of 100 millimeters that nikon has it and sony has a similar lens they're around 800 dollars for these you know this is what the canon costs retail and, and the other ones are probably similar the lab was half that and this one acts like the 60 millimeter which has that five to one you know this this is basically makes whatever subject bigger than real life five times bigger than real life a one-to-one -one oh. is was actual real life size <laughs> and so if you're looking for that really awesome microscopic type look then the lawa may be something you want and, and I it's was. only half the price so, i would definitely have both in my arsenal yeah exactly but most people are not going to need the lawa but they'll have a lot of fun with it if they did right it. right and the lawa just like with the 100 millimeter you're going to want to get a rail that's going to be easy to use mm -hmm 
And here, what's? Let me just mention my what could be better about the rail. Can okay. I see it? Yeah. What was the name on it? It's I shoot. So this thing was made by someone who has tiny fingers, and I then their know. tiny fingers are like, yeah, this little tiny knob is perfect for my tiny hands. I can't do. Yeah. But as a man with real fingers and looking at this camera body that's overlapping everything, trying to get in control of these and making what was like tinier than a dime diameter and twisting it and trying to do fine-tuned controls, mm. well, ridiculous. Yeah. If they could have tripled the size of this knob and given me something that I can quickly fine-tune, yes. I would have loved it. I yes. needed to have just a quick turn. But because it's so tiny, the torque required required right. me to right. like... Like I was unwrapping a pastry dough that I was about to, to to bake with, and I didn't want to tear it. I had to use that kind of strength in my tips of my fingers to twist an entire iron corkscrew. Right, and that's how I, I kind of feel the same way. The back screw is better. That's when I get my hands on that and the backside, like hold them both at the same time. Yeah, then, then it's then actually it okay when you something. Hold, yeah, and and that's the thing is, it's like this was designed by someone who kind of knew what they were doing and then <laughs> and then kind of not you know what i mean so whether you get an ice shoot yeah. or something else for a rail you do need a rail I yeah could micro not have macro that. focusing rail 150 is what this one is okay so it's an ice shoot macro focusing rail 150 now um we know that really right stuff has a very similar item and um but drew was saying that's almost twice as much and so um if you want american made you want to support that then we say go for it or you know it's expensive twice as much yeah. yeah definitely go for it though it might be a little bit better engineered than this this is pretty solid you know it's pretty good what would but, you yeah. say was something that could have been better in your macro experience that night <sighs> man um i really wanted to spend more time getting my scene set up right which i didn't i kind of i felt like i was having a lot of fun about i was when i look back at my images and just like these all feel kind of rushed and i'm like your man, composition your balance yeah, composition stuff like that I was just kind of rushed and uh, because we were going through so many lenses and doing so many examples and like loving like just the instant results we're getting on the back of the <laughs> camera, we're just like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. But I wasn't really like in love with any of the particular, you know, compositions I got. So the sake of magnification was awesome, but it wasn't a shot that you're like, wow, portfolio. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Gotcha. I did. I got a couple of cool shots, but nothing that I'd really, I'll share them too. I'll put them on my, on, on our, on our Instagram account. Yeah, but, please do. Um, I've just barely sat through and processed some of them um, just last night. And so um, it's been so busy. Oh, my gosh. So anything else that could have been better? Um, everything else went pretty good. I mean, yeah, I, I, would have had, I would have liked to have more fun with other elements like introducing water drops stuff like that would have been fun. That's a whole other project. Whole other I mean, that would yeah. be intense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that Laowa probe that you guys are using can go underwater mm -hmm. and doing really mm -hmm. cool, colorful weird droplets in the water and having them whisk around Ooh. is a really cool video opportunity. I've seen yeah. some people do that and it That'd looks be cool. Yeah. I would like to do water drops on the actual plants, you know, like putting them there, but no, um, what are you talking yeah. about? You want to drop water on my plants? Yeah. Like a little water, water drop, do drop. Why? What would you want to capture? Just it's, Impact? You see the reflection and stuff inside and stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, you mean not like an impact blast of a water drop. No, no, no. You're just saying like a circular globe yeah. of water yeah. put on the plant and yeah. seeing it have that reflecting and yeah. 
refraction you see the detail of light. Because with this Lawa lens, you can zoom right in on that water drop, <laughs> and then you see the full reflection of that and detail yeah, could, be could be really freaking cool. <laughs> so that's something I'd like to try out later too. Awesome. Well, macro photography, we're going to talk about this probably more this year, but that was just a little intro to experiencing some of these lenses that Brendan and Drew used during gear time. Check out the full story over on gear time. It's gear time every Thursday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. On it's our YouTube channel. On the YouTube channel. So go to the YouTube channel and you'll find it there. Again, check the alert squad down below if you want to find out when it's happening just in your email box, in your inbox on your email. We'll give it to you in notification there. So let's go ahead and take our last break of the podcast. And we'll come back and talk about what went well and what could have been better with the lunar eclipse. Mm. Bad news, Brendan. I got bad news for you. Oh, no. We were leading the board on achievements for MilkyWayPhotographers.com. Until? And then we had a mutiny on our hands within Uh the ranks of Photog Adventures. Someone pointed out, Kirk Kais pointed out, Mm -hmm. that there are two people on that list that haven't actually posted any of their pictures to earn their achievements. And that was us. You're me. (laughs) Yeah. We were leading the board with 26 achievements, and man, we are now at zero. And so Shelby Diamond Star, which is Mary Beth. That's why I'm looking at my theme like, wait a minute. Why does it say I have only so many achievements to achieve? That's right. Like, what's going on? So if you guys haven't come on and joined us on MilkyWayPhotographers.com, it is your location to go and gamify your progress towards a master Milky Way photographer. Get credit, get stickers, get achievements, Mm -hmm. advance, and bragging rights. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Right now, the leaderboard has Mary Beth and Rhonda Pierce out there, and those guys are leading with 13 achievements. And I know all of you out there have more than 13 Milky Way achievements earned in 2018 and 2019, so get on the website, share your images, let myself, Brendan, or Kirk know about your achievements, which one's for which, and then we will award you. Mm -hmm. And then stickers will be coming in February. Stickers. MilkyWayPhotographers.com. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We are talking the lunar eclipse, and some of you hung out with me, actually, in this situation. So, Brendan, how... (laughs) I did (laughs) part-time. I've got to tell you that your cable that you brought in, that HDMI cable that has the completely nuts extra 50 feet or something, 50 or 100, it's an incredibly long HDMI cable. Well, it went from this computer Mm -hmm. all the way out in the hallway, down across that that uh, kitchen floor mm-hmm. out in the balcony. And so I was able to, 50 feet, I'm maybe. sitting there realizing that the clouds are bad. Everywhere is predicted to be bad, except mm. for this gap. There's this, this little diagonal gap that's supposed to happen around nine or eight and it could be good. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if I go to flaming gorge or I go down to the, the silo and the trestle, or I could go even further down and go towards uh, the, the Nevada border or something. And Mm -hmm. it was just this long stretch of places that I didn't really want to go for a very high lunar eclipse right? right. and for it to be something they get skunked out of anyway. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's Sunday afternoon. There's great football going on. I don't really have a great vehicle. I have to borrow a vehicle if I want to go out here. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking I'm going to stay home. And if it does work, let me check it out on photo pills. So I go out on my balcony with photo pills and I'm like, this would actually work. And Mm. then I saw the gap happen with that sunset (laughs) that sunset that was shining this glorious light on the peaks of mountains that were covered in snow Mm -hmm. beautiful so i was getting more and more optimistic that i was gonna see it and i was thinking you know what i'm home i have all sorts of good internet 
Mm-hmm. I have equipment here that I want to talk about. I'm alone, so why don't I bring in the world of our Facebook following and see who wants to join me? Right. And so I ended up with 20 plus people who hung out with me for three hours wow. while we did the whole lunar eclipse. So here's the setup, Brendan. I took the cable from out of this computer right here, went mm-hmm. all the way out to the balcony, gaffers taped it all along the way, and then it was able to even have the door close on it because nice. the door wasn't very snug at the bottom. It was just right. one of those like little scrubby like rubber things. And right, that's right. It, right. And so it sits out there with one of these lights, the telescope tripod, the telescope itself I put on during the live. And then I had the 7200 millimeter that I rented from Lens Pro to go. Mm. And that thing was set up on the tripod that was holding the Canon's 5D Mark IV with the wide angle lens filming me. So I plugged in the camera from there and I made sure my mic was working, borrowing Drew's lapel mic. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And everything was going golden. I go outside and I can talk to the camera and they'd see me on the balcony. So I did a photo pills lesson real quick. Mm. We talked about everyone seeing what they had and many were getting skunked and having clouds. And so we all kind of got to live a little vicariously through photog nice. adventures of how the how the lunar eclipse went. Cool. And so I'm planning for it, talking about what's gonna happen. Here's the moon. Look, see the moon's coming over the mountain right there. It's actually in the penumbra shadow, but not yet in the umbra shadow. Right, right. And so it's gonna be in the umbra here around this time. And I track it. I end up putting the telescope with the six. 6D, the Canon 60, and both of oh, them have nice. HDMI inputs. Mm-hmm. And I find out that OBS can handle me taking it out of the 5D Mark IV. They lose the video feed, but they have audio the whole time. Oh, nice. And then I plug into the other camera, and after a little second, it pops up. Nice. But I've got the iPad out there, and I'm seeing the live feed from their perspective with the 20, 30 second delay. Mm-hmm. So everything I do, I kind of am talking about nonsense for 20, 30 seconds, trying to see, okay, the camera did turn on again. Mm-hmm. And then I know the camera's on, and they're going to see what I'm doing. And I start doing some stuff. Well, with the telescope attached to the Canon 6D, it was such a glorious view of the moon mm. that I start thinking, hey, guys, do you want me to leave this live feed on? I thought I would do part one and mm-hmm. part two mm-hmm. and just let it be. But no, they're like, well, we... We'd it's like tracking, to leave it right? On. It was tracking the moon, so it was actually tracking enough and staying in position, and I could watch to see when the moon was starting to get covered with a shadow mm-hmm. and see that whole transition. So if you go to our Facebook page, I'll put a link down below, so, cool. so that you guys can find it if you didn't know it even existed. But you can scrub through it and see how okay, there's the moon, there's mm-hmm. moon getting darker, there's a wedge cut out, there's a little more cut out, there's oh now it's going rust colored, right? And so in the middle of that, while well, I said I'll be back at eight forty-five or nine forty-five, I think. It was nine or something maybe it was 8 45 i'll be back at 8 45 when it starts getting to the umbra shadow mm-hmm. and this moon has some really really bright spot at the top and the rest yeah. was dark and so yeah. i changed the composite i changed the exposure settings on the canon 6d live to now account for like eight seconds but mm. the thing is the camera is just showing an exposure simulation right and they all have these limits at least the canon 6d had this limit where it never really changed beyond a couple seconds mm. on its exposure guess. It okay. had to actually have a picture taken to show you what it was really capturing. Oh, it was just a little okay. bit brighter. But I got to the point where you can see some rust on the bottom with an overexposed top. And I'm like, hey, guys, do you guys like this? It's kind of one-third overly white. But people loved it with the rust. And so right. I was hanging out with buddies. I turn Epidemic Sound and play a bunch of our like slow-paced <laughs> songs, turn it down as much as I could. And then it was just kind of just live 
for 40 minutes while wow. I just ate some brownies and hung out, watched <laughs> some football. And then I was like, you know, it's time to get back on here. And I go back out to the camera. We had some people who showed up and they saw like, I have two things running. I'm out there talking to myself, having a live feed and they want to come see what's behind the camera screen. <laughs> and now we're starting to see the full eclipse beginning mm -hmm. as it's in the Umbra, entered the Umbra and now fully in the Umbra, it's red. And it is really cool when you do a long shutter because that thing was bright, bright, orange yes so cool yeah so the whole experience of doing a live facebook was a lot of fun it was a huge challenge as i had to make adjustments uh, unplug it plug it into the <laughs> other camera and then make adjustments on the 6d and then i'd go and unplug it from there and put it on the 5d mark four while i changed the, the five or i would blah, blah blah whatever opposite camera that i wanted to make changes on i would put the camera um the plug the feed to so that they can see something while i was just talking about what i was making changes mm, for okay and here's just short, what went well, what could be better for Aaron's experience with Lunar Eclipse. What could be better? Using the 7200 is so hard to get focused, despite the really? fact that it says it's auto-focused on the moon. When I looked at the images afterwards, they were out of focus. They were soft. They were oh. softer than they were on the telescope, even though the telescope introduced softness right. by virtue of what it was. And so I was trying, I used the Carson Lumi Loop, and something that's fuzzy that has its best chance of being less fuzzy, but never really, really a sharp line, mm. was really hard to see only a tiny few pixels of with the Carson Lumi Loop. If I zoomed in on that with digital zoom, or if I use the Carson Lumi Loop, I would see a crater on a full moon has very little contrast, very mm -hmm. little shadow to show mm -hmm. me what any detail. And so to get it in focus, I had to guess, and I could see fuzzy, kind of fuzzy, and is that kind of fuzzy better than this fuzzy? And it was never perfect when I was digitally zoomed in or using the Carson Lumi Loop. I wonder when if I looked, that particular lens needs to be calibrated. Well, no, I don't think the lens had a problem. I think it's just I was so far out, it was focusing as best as it could, mm. and it wasn't really sharp because I wasn't really that close to the moon. Any, one, hmm. any shot that I had from the other telescope with being much more close in had a lot of potential. Hmm. But I didn't have an autofocus option because the lens is the telescope. And right. the only thing it has for focus is this big little dot. This is like giant handle on a dowel that's basically flexing the mirrors mm -hmm. to focus a subject. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what could have been better is I could have got a better focus on the 200 millimeter or had an extension on the 200 millimeter, uh, like uh, a yeah. true had yeah, yeah. something like that, or yeah. just getting a prime and going bigger. I should have gone bigger. I still spent a hundred dollars on a rental. I might as well spent a few more. Now, was it at the F 2.8 or at the F four version? I ended up going for the F 2.8 because I wanted to play around with it, doing some distant sky stuff. Those are we supposed were... to be like legendarily sharp. So that's what throws the me lens isn't bit. at fault. It's okay. just hard to get the autofocus to get there. Mm. And I didn't have enough time plugging it in and unplugging it from my okay. HDMI okay. to really get the focus sharp. Okay. What I should have done is taken an object that was at an infinity point for this right. lens, focused on it, and then pointed it at the moon. Oh, yeah, but I was yeah. trying to focus at it using the moon and looking at it through digital zoom. And it hmm. all wasn't conducive, at least in my time frame, the way I was handling it, to get a great shot. Yeah. And I kept thinking that I had it because it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I found focus. I'm good. And I thought, you know, it looks focused to me. Mm. I took a picture. I look at it. I'm like, yeah, it looks pretty focused. Back at the computer, it's <sighs> like, ah, it's soft. It's soft. That's kind of how my experience was too. When I came home after sunset and we put the kids to sleep, then my wife and I was step, stepped out and saw every few minutes we saw phases of it happening. Did and you see it before it started mm -hmm. and during? Okay, mm -hmm. cool. And then um, and then, right when it actually started to do the full eclipse, we went out and I, 
I'm like, okay, this is really cool. I'm going to get my camera out and set it up now. And so I had my 70 to 300, but it's like, it's not that great of a lens. So I zoomed in all the way and focused as best as I could, but they still turn out a little soft too. Okay. So. so you had my experience. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. So then the last thing that what went well though, is that you mentioned already that that go-to mount on the telescope was tracking just enough that I could do a five second exposure. Oh, and what really? I thought was going to have some fuzziness and it looked kind of fuzzy. It, it had a great feed. It was a beautiful mm. feed on Facebook, even though it's not perfectly sharp, mm -hmm. it was still mm -hmm. enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And to see that pure big moon next to the chat text over there and just hanging out with all you guys, that went really, cool. really well. Yeah. And I captured a shot and I look at it with five seconds and dang it's so orange mm. and i got a few stars in the background which prove it wasn't trailing that much because those right. stars are pretty sharp right it, it it was much better on the telescope than i expected hmm. it was so it I, I should never have rented the 7200 because i wasn't <laughs> equipped to make sure it worked anyway yeah. i was trying to do too many things at once anyhow because that's what i want to do it seems at times mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. too much at once gorgeous tracked Turned out well. Love the orangeness of that moon when it has a long exposure like that. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. And if you guys don't already know it or just have forgotten it, and it was mentioned during our Monday Moment of Envy, it was mentioned during the live feed, and it's in Kurt Kai's article on MilkyPhotographers.com, it's crazy to think that the lens of our Earth's atmosphere, the way that if you see a sunset and the light's coming mm -hmm. through and that angle, at that angle the light's hitting, you're seeing a pink, a yellow, yeah, an yeah. orange, that really cool sunset color or sunrise color, mm -hmm. right? And if you were to travel on the Earth all the way around with it and went at the same pace as the sunset, you'd always constantly see a sunset glow, right? Oh, right, right, right. if you right, went right. at the same pace yes. and kept that angle always the same time. Yeah. So the lens of the Earth's atmosphere is constantly having light go through it and make Making a red right. and that lens is hitting on the top and the bottom of the earth and always casting this like diagonal crossing lines of yeah, color yeah and when we cast shadow on the moon the sunrise and sunset collective color is casting oh. light on the moon which makes it that red that's really cool it's the sunrise sunset light yeah hitting the moon that's nuts. It is nuts that that lenses and crisscrosses and ends up targeting yeah, the moon like yeah. that, like a tractor beam of glorious light. Wow, that is cool. I never really thought about that before. I know. Which Troy Warwick said it the best when he called it that this collective sunset and sunrise light hitting it mm. made sense because I was calling it the glancing light using the article, but I love calling it the sunrise and sunset light. Mm -hmm. Good job, Troy. Nice. Glad he didn't die over there at Dead Horse Point when he went down for that football. <laughs> <laughs> so anything of what went well, what could be better before we can end this podcast? Um, yeah, I just wish I was better equipped. I wish I had a better lens. Um, I want to upgrade that 7300 to the newer version, but I, you know, eventually we'll get there. A lunar eclipse moment. If it's really important to you, you got to go higher than 300 millimeter. I get a four, one to hundred to 400 or get something that's crazy long. If you have a 150 to 600 something for wildlife, yeah, make yeah. use of that or get a tracker. Dean Vincent had an amazing image mm. for me. I loved it personally because you see all the stars bright orange moon mm. the sky even gets a little bluer because he's tracking with it oh yeah yeah i, I love that shot and now, so i used to have a sigma on a crop sensor there's a sigma i think it's a 15 to 250 or 18 to 250 it was like crazy like zoom lens and that thing had image stabilizer and i remember shooting the moon once and getting a crisp shot where you could see the actual like craters and everything around Ooh. the side like detail the side and that was handheld from the corner of my street. And I was just like, this lens is amazing, you know? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, there's 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 uh, lenses out there that'll do it. This was a crop sensor and a crop sensor lens too, but crazy zoom lens, but it still it took a great shot of the moon. So 
Um, that's why I was a little disappointed that my 7300 wasn't that great. So, <laughs> yeah, what do you do? Well, I really think that these kind of experiences I need to take a little bit more seriously as my next chance to do it better is mm. three years from now almost. Oh, so okay. I should just go for it and invest into it because yeah, it ends yeah. up being so much more fun. And next time I'm going to go a little further. And this year we have a total solar eclipse. If you're down in, Ch- in Chile, Chile or yeah. Argentina, yeah. you can see a total solar eclipse and even get that one better. So fantastic. Mm-hmm. Love it. We thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. If you guys enjoy this content, you actually love listening to the voices of Aaron King and Brendan Porter, then don't thank us. Thank our patrons. This whole thing that is Photog Adventures you guys are supporting, thank you so much. So thank you, Gibson. Thank you, David, Lisa, and Forrest. You guys are awesome. Those are some new January pledgers. And uh, so, yeah, thanks for supporting us. Really do. And we appreciate you for the months that you've been with us. Really, thank you so Mm -hmm. much. Thank you, guys, everybody. Hope you guys have a good week. We'll see you next Monday at Patrons, and we'll see you Wednesday. All right. Take care, guys.